Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here and joined as always with Mr. Mercer. Today we're going to be talking about dealing with sunk costs. And I'm going to even set the tone and say the sunk cost fallacy. You know, there's actually a, a well-accepted thing here. Um, Mercer, I want to hand it over to you. What do you think about when you think about sunk costs? Did the word sunk cost fallacy come to mind? Are you aware of that one? What, what do you I, think when you think of this? Yeah, I, I have heard about that. And for me, it was two parts. It was the sunk cost part of this and the dealing part of this. So like sunk costs for me are these things that you keep investing in this thing to get a certain result. And that result is just not happening. Like I think about it, like with stock trading, right? You buy a stock and it just didn't, it just went down and like, Oh, let's keep putting more and more and more into this bad investment. And then there's like the dealing with part, which for me feels like learning to accept that it actually is a sunk cost. So you can stop doing this behavior. That's not particularly useful. So that's sort of how, how I sort of uh, see it. How about on your end? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I I will admit that I did not under I didn't know about the sunk cost fallacy until about five years ago at most. So I I lived thirty plus years without knowing of this thing called the sunk cost fallacy. My wife, who's who's much smarter than me, would always say it, you know, but I didn't really understand that it was a proven principle. She'd just say like something like sunk cost. Um, the person who I actually heard it, who just called me out on it, was at Super Week in Hungary, and I was talking about something that I'd put money into it was, let's just call it like a, a ticket, like an airplane ticket. Uh, actually, it was exactly, I was, it was an airplane ticket to go back from Hungary to, to wherever I was living. I, I don't even know where I was living at the time, you know, let's call it to Virginia. And I was like, man, but if I, I can change my ticket and get a better flight, better time, but it's going to be a $200 change fee. I was like, I don't really want to pay the $200. And Gershoff goes, sunk cost. It's actually, it, you know, you can look, you don't have to look at what you paid for that flight. You don't have to look at anything. It's like, you're just paying $200 to, to improve your life. Is it worth $200 to improve your life? I was yep. like, yeah, of course it is. He's like, you can't look at the money you put into this thing before you, that's gone. You've already sunk that cost. You've already spent that money. So it is a fallacy to say that this flight's going to cost you $2,400 instead of $2,200. It is that this flight costs you $200. So is $200 worth the convenience you have here? And I was like, yeah, it is. And so I was like, oh, wow, you just completely reframed my thing. Like I've always had this, like, I always had this scarcity mindset or this mindset that, that I was losing money, but I'm not, I'm gaining something when you look at it that way. So that yeah. was like what hit home to me as to what a sunk cost is. And I didn't realize that it was an actual theory or something that was out there as well. Yeah. I love that. For me, it's like I get, I get to that same destination just by comparing it to this other cost, which is like opportunity costs, right? Yep. Where it was like, Hey, for two, like using your example for 200 bucks, I have this, it's going to cost me 200 bucks to get this thing. I have this opportunity to get this enhanced experience, right? In your case, getting home a little sooner, a little easier, a little more relaxed. Is that worth 200 bucks? Done. Yeah. Like I don't even think about the, the other. And I think you're right on that, on the sunk costing. It's a, it's a really good way of reframing because it it's not, I made the ticket more expensive. It's what does this additional 200 bucks get me? So how, how did that change then? Like, did you see that almost, you know, in, in a business decisions, were you making financial decisions in one way? And now that you sort of reframed it, you do now sort of make them a different way in, from your strategies of, of like either how you deal with expenses or how you consider new purchases, things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think it permeates into everything 
that I do more and more now. Although I wouldn't say that I always think in terms of sunk cost because there's a, there's another side of the story, and that is that it is still two hundred dollars. And so right. my background is I got into some some debt back in the day, and I vowed to never get back into debt. Right, and I vowed to like just be more conscious with money because there was a time where I just sort of like spent assuming that the money would come in. Right. And then it didn't there. And yeah. And and I got into, gotten into, it wasn't huge trouble, but it was trouble, right? Bad credit, uh, credit, you know, taking 0% interest credit cards to pay the other one. You know, this is like 20 years ago. This is you and I could do a whole episode just on this. Cause I (laughs) I, I swear like you're telling my story right now. Yeah. It's so funny, but yeah. Yeah. And and then you're like, okay, well I have to be better now. I can't do this anymore. And then you, you realize like, okay, that, that, that makes sense. And then I started making more money and I was like, okay, well now I can pay off. And I, and then you start to like, not really focus on as much and we're like okay it's just two hundred dollars but the reality is that if you don't have two hundred dollars then sunk cost fallacy is a reality <laughs> do you know right. what i mean like right. you, you you have to you might have to suffer through the the worst seat or the worst time of morning or get up in the morning because you don't have two hundred dollars so i want to caveat this to say sunk cost fallacy makes sense when you can afford the next thing right but it but doesn't necessarily make sense if you can't or if you're going to go into debt so i wouldn't recommend going into debt for it but if you want to leverage the funds that you have, the capital you have, anything like that, then it makes a lot of sense. And that's sort of how I look at it in business. It's like, okay, well, if I've already invested in something, for example, I, I did a marketing campaign last year that didn't do very well, right? It didn't do very well at all. Like we put a, put a lot of time into it. We spent, um, we interviewed people. I had production value, production costs. I put it out there. And when it hit the market, it didn't hit how I wanted it to. And then it's like, okay, well, do you just keep on spending all your time trying to make that thing happen? Like, are you trying to make this thing happen? Like the word fetch from Mean Girls? No, stop trying to make fetch happen, right? We need to actually make this thing realize that maybe we're ahead of our time. Maybe we're behind our time. Maybe we misjudged the market. And I actually just killed it. I was like, okay, you know, I don't even want to do this anymore. I was getting too much resistance, too much, you know, too much things happening there. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to even die on this cross. I'm not going to take this burden on myself. I'm done with this. And I just let it go. And I, and I killed the whole thing and I had sunk a ton of time into it and money into it. And I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty Zen. I don't feel bad about it anymore because it would have just pushed me down a path that I shouldn't be on. The market voted and they said no. Right. So if the market votes and says no, then you just move on to the next thing. And that is something that you can learn later on. Now, if you try to if you try to salvage it, that is when you start to damage yourself even more because it's the opportunity cost that you just mentioned that comes in there. Does that ever happen? I mean, do you ever like, have you ever had to throw the towel in on something that you put, put a lot of money into or was your baby? No, man, never. Everything I've <laughs> ever done has just worked 100% and better than I thought it was ever going to. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I've had this. And, and it's funny because when you, we've talked about the, like we used examples of money, I think at the beginning of this, and then just with that word cost, I think it implies financial a lot. Of it. But you were talking about time. And I think that's, that's also something that people just don't realize that the opportunity cost to the time you spend in a project that's sucking up all this energy, even if it doesn't require a lot of money. I mean, money makes it easier sometimes to see that, but the investing investment of time, are you putting all this time, effort and energy into this thing that's just not going to pay off? And for me, it was like, it, whenever I have that feeling of like a, a stretched rubber band where it's like, I'm, I'm there's, there's tension, people, you know, the team is, is trying to get it done, but it's not working. Everyone's slightly getting frustrated. You're getting frustrated with yourself. And it just feels like there's this weird tension that's there. And the second that you go, you know what? 
let's just kick this. Either we kick this out for three months and we try it again, or let's just call spade a spade. This is not working. We thought it was amazing. The market went yawn. So fine, let's just stop. And that tension gets released. And that's all of a sudden, and like the rubber band comes back to normal. And it's like, and that's that feeling of like you mentioned, Zen, it feels very much like that. We are like, oh, and it's like, all of a sudden you can see your world with different eyes. And then you can see the next opportunity. But it's like when you're so doggedly persistent on, well, we decided this was going to happen, so this has to happen, and you and you don't allow yourself the opportunity to see the other opportunities that you're costing yourself, right? Um, and I think I think that's what that that moment of Zen is what makes that visible for me. You know, um, being just being willing to be like, okay, maybe I'm wrong about this. And I think it doesn't matter that you think you're wrong, or or that you sorry that you have to believe that you're wrong. It's just, you have to have that possibility and, and keeping that possibility is what keeps you from, at least from my head, keeps you from getting locked into like, no, this has to happen like this in this one way that we decided it has to. Because sometimes it's just a pivot, right? Sometimes you can still get to the, across the bridge, but you have to do it a different way. Yeah. It's so funny, Mercer, you, one, you're basically saying seeing the forest, forest to the trees, right? Like that's one of the, that is one of the business jargon things. I don't like, to, I don't love business jargon, but that's a, that's a, that's like a parable that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Are you seeing the forest to the trees? But actually the way that I say it, and this is, I actually heard Kayla from my team uh, mention this to me just the other day. She goes, right song, wrong decade. So that's, oh, I love that. That's great. Is like the idea of right song, wrong decade. And that is you were either too early or too late to the market. So the example yep. I gave in one of my courses was Bohemian Rhapsody, right? It was popular in the seventies, but it was world changing in the nineties around yep. the world. Right. And there's, yep. there are songs that, that happens. They get dusted off the, the one that the, the, the one running up the hill was a big example from the eighties. And then it was on stranger things. And then it just took over the world. Right. Yeah. So like 30 years later. And that lady was making like a million dollars a day from that song. So it's like that that can happen. Um, but the cool thing is if if you're right song, wrong decade, they they actually it was a sunk cost. Like that song was there. They had already put it, it was in their catalog. They had the licensing rights, they did whatever they needed to, and then somebody picked it up. So sometimes you can get discovered, but you can't really count on that, right? That's like not a plan, that's that just happen. luck. And yeah. then it just serendipitously luckily comes to you. Like you can, yep. like, so you put the effort out there, you left it all on the table and maybe luck will come up there and, and make it better, but you can't really count on that. So you just live with it. Um, right. Now, as far as sinking in costs and, and sinking in time, you mentioned time. Time is the scarcest resource we have. The older you get, the more you realize that it is the scarcest resource we have. And I, I also wrote up this one time, but like back when I was young, my default, was yes. I would say yes to everything because I was like, okay, yeah. If interviews, podcasts. Um, I, the first time I ever did a speech, I was at a, in a booth where I was talking about Google analytics to three people. It was like me and then them sitting right next to me. I was like looking at them side to side, you know, like head on a swivel, like, Hey, you, 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 you know, and I get my laptop up. I was like, just gather around this laptop and we're going to talk about analytics, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was it was pretty goofy, but that was you know. So I said yes to those things. I wouldn't take a three person um, diner style gig these days, right? Like um, right. my default has to be more towards a no to opportunities and things like that because I've already sunk a lot of cost into where I'm at now, and there's no incremental gain to taking on these opportunities. So so it's like okay, so if somebody says, hey, can you do this thing for me? Like 
if I don't have time, I'm not, I say no to it. My default option is no now, which is sort of weird. Like I never thought it would be that way, but it all comes down to the scarcity that's out there. There's bigger opportunities. There's better things to do. And so the sunk cost, the way that this relates back to sunk costs is that things that used to be important to me are no longer important. So I don't need to, I don't need to pay my past back and say, well, this is a good opportunity 20 years ago. I got to stay true to myself. I got to stay true to the current, to the reality, right? And I do think that that's a, like a, that's a mindset of just staying true to your past. It can hold people back. Um, there's yeah. a few examples. I don't want to offend people, but it's like the townie mentality, right? I, I, where I'm from, people who stayed in the town and didn't go anywhere and broaden their horizons, they call them townies, right? They're like, okay, this is how we're here. And it's like, if you don't expand your mind or what you're looking at, then you are, then, then, you can look back at everything and you can say that you invested too much in sunk costs. You didn't actually do anything to develop the thing better. And I've just, I've gotten so far out of that mindset that it's like, I can't even fathom that, but it is a reality, right? That could be yeah. something where if you spend the same career for 30 years in the same company, you sort of might become a sunk cost fallacy as far as what else is out there. What are the other opportunities? So something you got to be careful with. And, and um, I think it permeates into every piece of life. You ever notice so that at all? I, I've definitely have when, when you're when you're talking about stuff and I'm and, and I'm thinking like okay what's a listener thinking right now like okay this makes sense I get the sunk cost thing maybe they've got some experiences in their past that they can relate to as well but then it's like how do you how do you get better and this goes back to that dealing with part of it how do you get better at recognizing something that is a sunk cost faster so that you can disconnect the that emotion from it right and and move on because I think that is that is the skill that's the muscle that we're building that we're talking about. Cause in the beginning, to your point, I, I did the same thing. Said yes to everything. Everything's an opportunity. Let's see what's going to work. I got a lot of hustle muscle, right? So that's what we're going to keep using. And, and at a certain point I said yes to way too many things uh, and just overloaded myself and burned out at a certain, you know, and it's just, it was so predictable seeing it from my eyes now, but back then it was just like, no, no, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. You know, but in reality I had, I had, made a bad decision. I had, I had decided to keep doing what I did today because I did it yesterday. And that was the reason I was doing it today. There was no other reason, you know? Um, but how do you, like, how do you, if you were trying to help somebody with this, somebody that maybe you can go into their business and you see, listen, why are they doing this still? They seem to really love this thing, but this thing doesn't move the needle in any way, shape or form. And it's just sucking up resources because it was somebody's good idea four years ago. How do you know, how do you recognize that with those eyes, right? To see that and, and really judge it and be like, okay, let's see, do we still do this today? You know, like, cause yeah. I think that's a hard thing. I think a lot of these sunk cost things people don't even see, you yeah. know, going back to the forest for the trees example. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think one of the, one of the ways you see it is through coaching. That's, that is a major value of coaching. Meaning just like fresh pair of eyes that says, yeah, Hey, I mean, listen, coach, have you even yeah. thought about yeah. Yeah. therapy? coaching somebody who has a fresh pair of eyes who's unbiased who doesn't have their the same sunk costs as you might be a way to do it i have a i mean i so i have a friend who i, I know a lot of people who are in the speaking circuit like they go from everything they they get every speaking gig they can get right like they mm -hmm. anytime that they, they apply for everyone they want to be in every single speaking thing possible and i i was that person for a while i i you know i did speeches in 20 countries because i wanted to just do that mm -hmm. i wanted to you know i applied to every gig i could get um, and one of the people I met on that, on the tour, the speaking tour was like, man, I'm like always so busy. I'm not taking care of my health. I'm, I'm, I've gained a bunch of weight. Um, people aren't, I'm having to pay, 
fly middle seat and coach for five hours to go across the country. Like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And I, and I was like, well, why are you doing it? Right. Did you, are you still proving the same thing? Or is there a law of diminishing returns with speaking to me? It became a law of diminishing returns. Like I, I wasn't hungry anymore. It was, it, it, I wasn't proving things anymore. It was just sort of like an autopilot thing. And it's yeah. like, okay, I already achieved what I wanted to achieve. So everything else after this point is like trying to survive and revive a, a sunk cost. And I told him as, as, as to this person, I said, what would make you more fulfilled in life? Would it be that you did something else? Would it be that you started, you know, took all the things that you're teaching and did it in an online course or did it online, you know, in some way or shared it in a different format, wrote a book, all these different things. Cause you can do that one time and you can reach people and they're like, and they, they just didn't respond to me for like months. So it's, it's hard to hear that, right? Like yeah. you, you go to somebody asking for advice and they give you things that you don't want to hear. And then you just like, okay, no, I don't want that right. thing. But when you plant that seed, you know, it's natural for people to be defensive. You told me something earlier this week that made me defensive. Right. And I was like, that's the thing. And I was like, he's right. So I think that, I think part of it is mindset. Like if somebody tells you something you don't want to hear, it's all right. It's natural to be defensive against it. But if you can just look back at it again and see it from that person's perspective and see it from the outside, you'll probably realize that that person was right after all. They they were right. Um, it's just that you didn't want to hear it, right? So it's like right yeah. advice, maybe the wrong time again. So a lot of this thing, the, the variable here is time. It, it's a big thing. So um, I'm not sure if I answered that question, but I think dealing with it is like it, it's letting it's getting feedback. It's being open to getting feedback, which is really hard. Nobody wants to have feedback, especially when you know that you're failing. Nobody wants to have feedback in a failure. Like you don't yeah. want to like be like, you don't want to, you know, you're, you're weathering the storm. You don't want somebody, you don't want a tornado to come through your town, but that is what happens a lot of times. And then it's like, okay, well, once we're done with this thing, it's calm. There's dead deafening silence after the storm, a calm after the storm. And then you're like, okay, well, how do I rebuild this thing the way that it should be with the knowledge that I have now? Not the exact same thing that I was, that I wasn't really happy with in the first place. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I had a something else coming up when I was just in the past that we've gone through, and it's probably in the last you know year and a half, something like that. It was where we were doing a promotion, and this was with um, copywriting, and it was working with a copywriter, and it was kind of like, all right, here's here's kind of what we we want to do with this promotion, and they and they sort of laid it out, and they did two versions of this, so that we did one earlier in the year, and this, I think this is back in 2023, so we did one earlier in the year that kind of worked. It was decent for the promotion that we did. And then later that year, they ran it again, but they ran the exact same one. I mean, word for word, right? Same system, same tactics, same everything. And I didn't understand that because like time had changed. And I was like, and I get, so so I understood it and I didn't understand it. On the one hand, I'm like, we're in a different time. How come it hasn't adjusted at all? But I was also thinking, okay, I'm not the best mark in the world. They might know something and I'm, I'm willing to be wrong, right? I think that's that's something I try to be as much as I can. I'm not always great at that skill, but I try to, wherever I can, I'm like, I could be wrong. And I try to remember myself to, to say that phrase, especially when I start to feel righteous. You, that'll be my, that's my trigger phrase. When I'm feeling righteous, like, no, this is the way to do it, but I could be wrong. Like, that's yeah. kind of what'll happen to me. Uh, it's like my brain naturally does that now. Um, so I was thinking that and we ran it and obviously I, I'm a numbers guy, so I can, I can predict and, and forecast some stuff. Um, but I was sort of looking at my forecast going, I don't think this is going to work, but maybe let's, I'm willing to be wrong. We'll see. And sure enough, it was hitting my forecast, which was not great because my forecast were it wasn't going to work. So I'm going to them saying, okay, what are we going to change? And they were like, well, nothing. Why? And I'm like, it's not, how is it going to be different tomorrow? And it's like, well, cause tomorrow will be different. 
but that was the answer. It was like, well, because tomorrow's a different day. So, if, but not because they were changing anything. So I let that go on for a couple of rounds. Um, and then I was like, okay, we're done. I, I just had to get in there and jump in and be like, let's fix some stuff. Cause they just weren't seeing that it wasn't going to change. Like they were going to get this poor result. And I couldn't, in my, in my example there, I, I don't think I did a great job of being able to help them see like, this is not going to work. You're seeing that it's just going to magically be successful. I think it goes back to your point about the um, right song, wrong decade, mm -hmm. where it's like, they were thinking, well, no, this time it'll, it's crossing my fingers. This time the lottery is going to happen. This time mm -hmm. luck is going to come into play. This time this message might be the right decade, you know? And it's like, you can't like, yeah, the lottery is a thing. People win the lottery, but that does not mean it's a retirement plan. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. luck is a thing. Um, so that was, that was kind of coming up for me when you were talking about it, because I wanted to think about somewhere, some places where I have not done a great job of whether that's in myself or in the team of helping them see sunk costs. Because if I can get the team doing that, right, that makes your company stronger because everyone's now rotating faster and getting momentum faster and realizing, like, hey, this is the old way. That's cool. That was the some some of the phrase that we use, and this this can help us sometimes, but it's um we use the most current truth. Mm -hmm. which I can't, I can't claim credit to. I had a sales trainer years and years and years ago that used that phrase. He said, I'll never lie to you, but I always tell you the most current truth. And that's how he got around. Like things change in the market, you know? Yep. And I was like, I'm going to use that phrase for the rest of my life, which I, yeah. I have. Um, but it was like, here's the most current truth is what we're doing. Cause that implies there can be something else, you yeah. know, like, oh, that was yesterday's most current truth today. We're doing this now because we allowed feedback, you know? And I think to your point around the tactical part of this, it's, it, it ties back to that feedback, being open to feedback. You have to be open to listen to that feedback. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You were talking about this and I cringed a little bit in acknowledgement of the working with a, a provider who just goes on faith or goes on their system, yet their system isn't proven. And, yeah. um, you know, so like I've had that with copywriters too. Like they basically just take their swipe file which is somebody else's swipe file. And then they write <laughs> based out of somebody formula. else's and somebody else's. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, like, take your typewriter out, you know, cause it's like, they're taking stuff from the 1920s when all there was is a typewriter. And, and yeah, I, I've seen that happen before. And I, I, those, those people are hacks. Um, and a lot of agencies are hacks. And this is the reason why a lot of people don't like agencies because they've been burned by hacks. Yep. And because well, you see that same pattern in here's how we run Google ads or here's how yeah. we do Facebook. It's like, well, yeah. no, that's that's how you used to do Facebook. Yeah. But if you're not open to changing that, it makes total yeah. sense. Make Give it, it time, right? Like the, you need yeah. six months to see results in Google. It's like, OK, it's six months for you to just goof around until you do something right. Um, and, the, and and yeah, it in the same six months is different for somebody who is competent. But most yeah. agencies, they can't scale because they the, the founders charismatic and they have their method, but they don't they're really crappy at training their team on how to do it. And so you get handed over to a junior person who's learning on the job. I've yeah. been burned so many times by ads managers who are learning on the job who are like, oh, we just got to test it. Testing is a crutch. Testing is a really cool thing if you're good, but testing is a crutch if you suck. <laughs> Basically, you're saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try to do these things side by side to see what the market wants. Like, it's okay to see what the market wants, but to do it with things like throwing bad energy or bad items at good ideas, it, it makes it, 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 it hurts everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Testing bad ideas and having a lot of them in there is a, is a fact it, 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 it's just make sure that you're going to get poor results. Right. And that's what a lot of agencies do. We got to, we got to see what the creatives are. We, we got to see what they want. And they try different images. They try different, you know, AI generators. They try like, Hey, just do a bunch of different variations of the same yeah. script and we'll cut it together. And it's like, that's a really expensive 
way to say that we don't have direction, we don't have a strategy, and we don't have what we need to be successful. And, and that we're that versus like the researching of like taking the time to actually research and say, well, here's what we think the market wants. Yeah, kind of or or more, yeah. or yeah, or telling a story based on the reality from your market. Yeah, so like talking to somebody and, under, yeah. and telling their story or using their words to get in there, talking to your customers. Go. Yeah. That's why I've been really hot on live events lately. Even though it's sort of a pain in the butt, I'm getting immediate feedback as to whether people want it or not, and that's yeah. really cool. Like, or just posting something on LinkedIn to see if people react to it because it might be a good idea in your head, but it might not get the reactions you're looking for. And so that's an important thing, you know? And then, you know, you would mention like sunk another sunk cost example in businesses firing fast. Like people, yeah. people, people always regret not firing faster because they know that it's there. And that's really a sunk cost fallacy that if you can keep on teaching them, if you can keep on giving them a chance that it's going to get better. No, yep. get rid of the sunk cost. Even though you, whatever you put into that hiring process, you got to get rid of that person as quickly as you can. Right. Um, so I, there's a lot going on here. I, I want to, I have one question for you because you mentioned being an investor and I know you've been a trader for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and you said something very earlier that I wrote down that I think is interesting. And that is when do you cut bait on a bad investment? Like, do you just cut it? But also there's this idea in trading of dollar cost averaging. So it's right. like, so, um, and this is an example for me. Like I, I had some stocks go down and they went way down and I was dollar costing in and I kept on dollar costing in and, and something was like $20 a share. I got down to $7 a share and just yeah. this week it executed at $23 a share. So I look like yeah. a genius, but there's yeah. like two years where I, where I, you know, where I could have you sold off your fingers lost, yeah. right? You know, it was yeah. a pretty big swing on an individual yeah. trade, which isn't a good idea in the first place, right. but how do you handle dollar cost averaging mindset, which is sort of a, uh, you know, basically saying, oh, the sunk cost can get better if I lower my sunk costs. How do you deal with sinking more into something that you think will eventually turn around or just cutting bait? Does it have to do with the asset class? Does it have to do with like the, the history? How would you choose that? How do you make that decision? For me, and, and so I'll answer this more from the trading perspective, yeah. um, is the thing I learned in trading, the, the best lesson ever was um, the, ga the game is not to win all the time. It's to be able to keep playing the game. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a good system that gives you the edge, just kind of think of like Vegas being the house. If you're the house, you want people playing as often as they can because eventually you're going to win. Even if yep. you give them some money, you're going to end up with more of it because that's just how the, the odds are. The odds are in your favor because your system produces the odds in your favor. So from a trading perspective, you have to be very non-emotional. That's what it teaches you, right? You look at the market. And the market will, will it's almost like the, which I like about the markets, they give you this, this instant mirror-like feedback of how much you're worth, you know, like how much you really think you're worth. The market will take it off from you or it'll give it to you. But for me, it's that system. So if it went according to plan, then I'm good. But if, let's say I say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, buy Google and I've got a, I think Google's going to be the next thing that's going to happen over the next decade. I'm willing to take up to a 30% loss. I will buy down the 30% loss. Uh, just knowing that, hey, because I'm doing like, say, a 10-year trade or something, I think it'll be going for that long and I'm going to hold it for a long time so I can make it through that volatility, even if there is volatility, right? So maybe I, I put that according to plan. The second it goes, and maybe I dollar cross average down to that point, but the second that, I, that it goes down another, let's say it gaps down 20% that day, right? Now I'm down 50%. If I go, oh, now it's even a better opportunity. I have just jumped off the track. I am now emotional. I just changed my plan. I just called an audible, right? To use the sports mentality there. And it's like, I've just called an audible. Now, 
I am not playing. I just got emotional and I'm chasing something now. Why am I chasing it? Because I feel like, ooh, I have to take advantage of this. Why? Because if I don't, I'm not going to make money. And that's coming from scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm aware of this, this scarcity decision mentality. If I'm coming at it from fear or scarcity, I, I don't. Yeah. Now, if, if the system says, hey, buy down all the way down. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. So what? Right? Um, I do the same thing going up. Um, so because there's a lot of people that will ride stuff up. Uh, my dad and I joke about this all the time because he does this where he'll just keep riding it up. And I'm like, you got to sell, take some off the table. And he's like, no, what if it doubles? I'm like, that's scarcity. What if it doubles? I'm going to miss out. That's scarcity decision. So I have a thing that's like a little, a little phrase that I'll say to myself when I sell out and it doubles because sometimes that happens, right? I'll take my profit off the table for what I got. And all of a sudden it triples the next day and I go, you know what? Poor me. I made money. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's the point of it. Poor me. I made money. So yep. what? There's a lot of other people who aren't. It doesn't yeah. matter. And there's always another opportunity somewhere if you're willing to be open to that. So that's sort of how I use it for trading. I don't know if I'm as good at that as on the sort of operational business components of stuff, but that's where a lot of my, that the stuff that I do in business comes from that mentality, yeah. very systems oriented. Like if it's going according to the plan and I executed the plan, great, because I can do something with that. I can see how I, I can change the plan if I need to. But if yeah. I'm just radically, just you know, kind of erratic emotionally everywhere, making decisions left and right, there isn't, there isn't. That's not a, that's not as organized of a system. It's more of a chaotic system, still a yeah. system, but chaotic. So I can't really adjust it or fix it as easily as I need to. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So like that, and I think that's a good summary of the difference between like a retail trader and a professional trader, right? Like they, I watched the movie Dumb Money on the airplane, mm-hmm. and that's a total. Everything you said there is is retail. You get emotional. Okay. You don't realize that you have that you can take money off the table. You you get tied to some kind of narrative, which is one of the things that I sometimes do with investing. I'm definitely a retail investor when I when I trade, um, and I do the, all the mistakes that retails do. That's why I give somebody else the money because it's not emotional, professional, right? Um, yeah. And so it reminds me of this phrase that that. Um, that my father-in-law said, and that's that pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, yeah, you got to take some money at the table and be smart about it. And then the other thing is just the real, the, the, the synergy between opportunity and sunk cost is so interesting in this conversation. I, we've mentioned opportunity costs a lot, but it is sort of like the opposite. Like they are, they are sort of a yin and a yang or a polar opposite type thing. Um, opportunity cost when I didn't, when I didn't realize my sunk cost was that I had capital tied up. Right. So like having, having money tied up in something is money you couldn't have put into a 5% interest bearing account when this, when the interest rates rose, it's money. It's, you know, you're, you're basically, you have an opportunity cost. So if you keep on getting money and buying stuff really soon, like really when it's going down, you're tying yourself up for a much longer timeline until it gets better. So it depends on your timeline and everything like that as well, which is an opportunity cost. So your sunk cost becomes an opportunity cost if you're super stubborn and if you go in, into play there. So that's what we got to work about. That's what we got to work through. And I love your thing about, you know, you want a system that wins, you want to play the game like that. Those are all, that's professional stuff. And if anything is, I think you and I are professionals in our, in what we're doing in our businesses. We treat it. We're not emotional about it all. It's like, what's right. the calculation here? Uh, maybe some of our personal life stuff, we still have like demons or whatever, but that is the the idea here, everybody. And that is that you start to realize your patterns of behavior and realize that there is, there could be some, some challenges there and then work to get better at it. And, and it's not an overnight thing. It's a long-term thing. Uh, any final thoughts on this one, Mercer? 
No, I think we covered a ton, man. I just think it's, 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 you know, just recap for me is just being, and it's, it's helpful as we talk about this to just repeat in our heads, like for our own purposes, like, how do we do this? And it's like, Hey, be open to feedback, be open to being wrong. Doesn't mean that you are just as long as you're open to it. It solves a lot of that tension problem that's there. Um, so I think that's, that would be my final thoughts. How about on yours as you wrap us up? Yeah, no, it's funny. We've talked so much about investing and we've talked so much about those aspects of our lives. It, it permeates in almost every episode we do. And I think that is, there's, that's there for a reason because you can either learn by doing it yourself or you can learn by studying other people and, or you do a combination of those things. And so it's really cool. I was, I was going to put some episode ideas around investing and I was like, we've already done a bunch. So maybe there's more to go there. There's more meat on the bone there. Um, so yeah, I, I just love this thing and I, and I want to keep on exploring these opportunities with you and, and to continue to, to come up with topics. So I think this is a good one. Hopefully everybody understands the sunk cost fallacy and how you can avoid it. And if you thought this was interesting and you thought this was a good coaching session, the coaching session you need, then I would love it if you'd let us know, leave us a comment, leave us a review, share the podcast and uh, share what you've learned today. So thank you for listening to Business Unfiltered. And I can't wait to see you on our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered. Always unapologetically honest.